Which day is a Sabbath day? Has the world forgotten that God Himself told us to remember a day of rest? God's love was expressed at creation, so together let's discover this gift God gave us. It's the key to our overworked and overstressed society. My name is Cami, and Unlocking Bible Prophecies starts now. Chaos is increasing worldwide. There were reports of an active shooter. Divides on politics and a worldwide pandemic are sweeping our globe. It feels like the end of the world. Are we headed into a new world order? What will happen next? Join international speaker Kami Utman on a journey to unlock Bible truth and uncover key answers to your Bible questions. In Cammie's travels around the world, she has documented incredible miracles while facing life and death situations. Join us for Unlocking Bible Prophecies 2.0, which will demonstrate how God has given us guidelines to successfully navigate through what lies ahead. Together, we will see how Bible prophecy is being fulfilled faster than ever before and how we can have hope for the future. I'm Cammie. Welcome back, friends. Have you been blessed by Unlocking Bible Prophecies? I hope you have. Make sure to tell your friends about these presentations. Unlocking Bible Prophecies is a continuing series that covers the greatest prophecies of the Bible. Make sure to visit awr.org forward slash Bible to find wonderful resources to grow spiritually as well as to watch all the archive programs. In the last presentation, we learned that God's way, the law, is timeless, and it's actually His character. God wrote the Ten Commandment law so we could enjoy an abundant life. He wants us to share in His character. What's really interesting to me is that there are thousands of man-made laws in the world, but God, in His infinite wisdom, has summarized His law in only Ten Commandments. We can see that many of our modern law codes are based in God's laws. Would you be surprised that one of the commandments has been almost entirely forgotten? Yesterday's presentation, The Way, supplied the foundation for tonight's topic. My video crew and I visited a remote village in Madagascar to document Mama Sisset's shocking journey once she learned what you will learn tonight. Stay tuned. That story is coming up. Let's pray now as we study the authentic seal. Heavenly Father, King of the universe, King of our hearts, Lord, thank you so much for giving us your word to guide us through this dark world so that we would have you as our lighthouse, Lord. As we study the authentic seal, it is important for us to have clear minds so that we can grasp your truth, Lord. Lead us in such a way. Have every listener be um, imbued with the Holy Spirit right now as we want to know you more and fall deeper in love with you today. In Jesus' precious, powerful name, amen. Now, I feel impressed to share with you that my intention for standing before you is to share only truth straight from the Bible. Now, some of these truths may be new to you as they once were to me, but stick with me, friend. I promise you that I'm speaking from a heart out of love for honesty and integrity. Each topic builds upon the last, and as we are making our way to some shocking Bible subjects, know that the truth may hurt or be uncomfortable, 
but it never betrays or leads you astray. You need to see the answers from your Bible to make informed decisions. Also, we will be going through many scriptures tonight, and for the sake of time, we will only show portions of a few of the longer texts. So I encourage you to look up each text for yourself after this program is initially streamed. You can go back, pause the video, and read each verse in full. I want you to meet <laughs> Shrek the Sheep. He became famous a while back. Shrek had wandered away from his shepherd and got lost for six years. He was hiding in caves for taking cover and survived there alone. And during this isolation, his wool grew and grew to an extra 60 pounds. That's 27 kilograms of extra wool on him. Most sheep have a fleece of about 10 pounds or four and a half kilograms. Shrek was so burdened and weighted down as he carried six times the regular weight of his fleece. What Shrek didn't know is that the shepherd never gave up searching for him. The day came when he found and rescued his lost sheep. It took just moments to shave off the extra burden of wool that Shrek had accumulated for those six years. Friends, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, let's be unburdened tonight by our shepherd Jesus as his truth sets us free. Let's remember our theme. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, then it's not for me. Would you be surprised to learn that God has a special sign, seal, or mark that he places upon his people? Would you be shocked to learn that unless a person has this mark at Jesus' return, he cannot enter the kingdom of God? I want us to start by looking in the last book of the Bible where we will unlock an end-time prophecy in Revelation 7, 1 through 3. A mighty angel has commanded that the final winds of war and destruction not unleash upon us until something very important has been completed. What is that important something? Let's read Revelation 7, 1 through 3. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or the sea or any tree. In symbolic language, winds represent war, strife, and destruction. Verse 2. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Hmm. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Okay. The angel is saying that God will not permit destruction to come upon the earth until his people have all received his seal. How far and wide will this serious message be presented? That includes the truth about God's seal, sign, or mark? Let's look in Revelation 14, verse 6. 
Then I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. What a colossal task. But Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The term sign, seal, and mark are used interchangeably in scripture, all representing the same thing. Now here are a few examples of just this. Romans 4, 11 says the sign, a seal of the righteous of the faith. Another example, Ezekiel 9, 4, put a mark on the foreheads. Revelation 7, 2 and 3 speaks about a seal of the living God and sealed the servants. So what is a seal? How is it sometimes used in a figurative manner? Ephesians 1.13 says, After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, friends. Now, in the Bible, two figurative uses of the seal are made. First, a seal may stand for a truth or requirement of God. Second, a seal may indicate God's ownership and approval. In ancient times, a seal was used to signify ownership, to indicate genuine intent, and to show authenticity. God's seal, which he places on the foreheads of his true followers, indicates we belong to him. We are genuine, trusted, authentic followers of Christ. Placing his seal on the forehead implies that the one sealed has a total commitment to God and his will, to the principles of his government, not because of any tradition or custom and not just for show. Matthew 7.20 For by their fruits you will know them. Our, in, our actions show who we truly belong to and who we really worship. What three things does a government seal contain? Okay, government seals are used to officially identify national laws and authorize legal documents. Such a seal must give the lawgiver's name, so the name of its presiding officer, the title, that would be like president, prime minister, king, and the territory over which he presides. What is God's seal in his holy law? Let's go to the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. The seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. The fourth commandment is the seal of God's Ten Commandment law. Let's look at why. Because it has God's name, says the Lord thy God, God's title or office, as creator, because he made. And thirdly, it has God's territory, heaven and earth. The fourth commandment declares in unmistakable language the authority that backs the Ten Commandments, the authority of our creator and the government of God. Revelation is clear. We worship God because he's our creator and our redeemer. Revelation 4, 10 and 11 shows us just that. Worship him who lives forever and ever. 
You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Then in Revelation 5, 9, it says, You are worthy, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. So what right does God have to ask us to worship him his way? The fact that he is our creator. And what has God provided for his people as a sign, seal, or mark of his creating and redeeming power? Let's have him tell us. Exodus 31, 16, 17. God says, keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. That means ongoing promise. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Ezekiel 20 verse 12 says, Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. God himself made the Sabbath a sign of his creating, redeeming power. When I keep it holy, I demonstrate my acceptance of him as my creator and savior. Where does the great angel of Revelation 7 say this sign or seal of God will be placed on a person? Let's look. Revelation 7 verse 3 says, Sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Is this a literal stamp in our flesh? (laughs) Romans 7 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. Friends, the forehead represents the mind, the crown of the brain. One thing that separates us from the rest of creation is the ability to choose and discern between right and wrong. That is our morality. The only part of the brain that controls discernment is the frontal lobe or the prefrontal cortex. This area is responsible for the executive functions. It is the center for thinking, reasoning, judgment, behavior, and emotions. The frontal lobe is so important that the Lord says that it is the center of worship. Our ability to be informed, to understand, and to make choices comes solely from this area of our brain. When we consent to keep God's Sabbath, we are marked or signed in our minds, which is represented by the forehead. Just think of it. Angels are holding back the fury of Satan until God's people have accepted his sign. What mercy! This is happening now, friends. People are learning about the Bible Sabbath and deciding to accept it. When did God make the Sabbath? Genesis 2, 1 through 4. When in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. After the six days of creation, God made the Sabbath on the seventh day, Saturday. From what did God make the Sabbath? Exodus 20, verse 10. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. God made the Sabbath from a 24-hour day. 
the seventh day. It is made of time, and time is what it takes to develop a warm, loving friendship with your Lord. He offers me 24 hours a week of His priceless time so He and I can become close friends. It's just like a marriage. It cannot succeed unless the partners spend time together. Neither will my love relationship with the Lord succeed unless I make our time spent together a priority. The devil hates the Sabbath truth because you cannot be saved without a relationship with God, knowing and loving the Lord. You see, all relationships are built within the context of time. What happens to a marriage when a husband and wife stop spending quality time? It begins to fall apart. We need to make time to communicate with each other, to stay close. The devil wants to keep us so busy, working and stressed out, so we do not make time for our God. Why did God choose the element of time to focus our minds on Him? He created us for fellowship with Him, which requires time. For God so loved the world that He gave us His Son for 33 and a half years so we would have face-to-face time with Him on this earth. Nothing is more meaningful than a unit of time spent together. God did three things at creation that made the seventh day special. Genesis 2, 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God ended His work, which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day, from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Sanctify means to set apart for a sacred use. This literal 24-hour period was made holy by the God of the universe from the very beginning of time itself. When God blesses something, for how long is it blessed? A year? A decade? A century? First Chronicles 17.27 gives us the answer. That it may continue before you forever. For you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. For whom did God make the Sabbath? Mark 2.27, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. If you think about it, Man was created on the sixth day, and the Sabbath was made for man on the next day, the seventh. Was the Sabbath made for only Jews? When God made the Sabbath, there was no Jew or Gentile, only mankind. God made the Sabbath for Adam and all his descendants. That includes you and me. Let's look at how God's commandments existed before Moses on Mount Sinai. We find in Exodus 16, the Israelites have escaped Egypt and are now wandering in the wilderness. There's no easy access to food, so they cry out to God to help them. Please, they're hungry. In return, God promises in Exodus 16, verse 4, to provide them with manna, or sweet bread from heaven, which they are to gather six days But in verse 5, it says, God instructs that on the sixth day, which is called Preparation Day in the Bible, they are to gather twice as much manna. Later in verses 25, 26, 
God warns there will be no manna found in the fields on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath. And verse 30 tells us why. They kept the seventh day holy by resting from any work. The manna shows us today that God's people knew to keep the Sabbath holy before the commandments were given on Mount Sinai, found four chapters later in Exodus 20. You see, by then, it was a reminder. God wrote on tables of stone, not in the sand or on a piece of paper. His law is to endure forever. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is the only commandment that begins with the word, remember. Because God knew people would forget. The question arises then, what could possibly cause man to forget God's original command to keep the seventh day holy? God foresaw that the arch enemy would mess with his commandments, as we studied last night. And he foresaw the need to bring us back to his ways. We need to know whether the Ten Commandments, which mandate Sabbath-keeping, have ever been changed. When Jesus was accused of doing away with God's law, he made it very clear in Luke sixteen seventeen, It is easier for heaven and earth to pass than for one tittle or detail of the law to fail. God's law and his commandments are the same thing. Matthew five seventeen to 19 Jesus said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill, meaning to uphold the law. Romans thirteen ten references many of the commandments in these New Testament verses, summing them up with, Love is the fulfillment of the law. Note that in the New Testament, it tells us what day Jesus and Paul kept holy. I want to know that. Let's look. Luke four sixteen. So he, speaking of Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue, synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Jesus kept the Sabbath day holy. Let's look at Acts 17.2, then Paul. Now, Paul comes after Jesus has died and rose again and ascended to heaven. And here Paul tells us what he's doing. Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Acts 18.4, and he, Paul, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks you see, the Sabbath is for everyone, and Paul was keeping it himself. Does it surprise you to learn that Jesus and his followers, even after Christ's death, kept the Sabbath, God's seventh day holy? Whenever in doubt with what to do, do what Jesus did. Jesus is our example in all things, including Sabbath keeping. 1 Peter 2.21 reads, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. To learn that Jesus kept the Sabbath affects me personally because I want to follow him as he is my Lord and Savior. So if he kept the Sabbath, so will I. 
The Christian Gentiles also kept the Sabbath. In Acts 13.42-44, it tells us, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Paul and Barnabas persuaded them to continue in the grace of God, and on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Keep in mind, these scriptures are after Jesus died, rose from the grave, and ascended to heaven. It is vital for us to understand how the Bible identifies these three days. The order of events over these three days goes like this. Friday, which is the sixth day of the week, was the day Christ died, which is called the preparation day in the Bible. The next day would be the seventh day, of the week. The Bible calls the Sabbath. Jesus rested on in the tomb on Saturday, the Sabbath. And then the next day, which would be the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the grave. Scripture calls Sunday the first day. The identity of the Sabbath is clear. Sabbath is the seventh day of the weekly cycle, or the day we call Saturday. Many Christians have said, but we worship on Sunday in honor of the resurrection. Well, Christ has given us a symbol of the resurrection. Yes, that is true. What does Jesus say is a celebration of his resurrection? Romans 6, 3 and 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. So just as Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected, we do that by being baptized, friends. We come up from the watery grave to live the new life. Baptism is the New Testament symbol of the resurrection. There is no doubt that Christ's resurrection was an important event. And so was his birth, his baptism, his crucifixion, his ascension. Would it be logical for Jesus to change his Sabbath day at each important event in his life? It is a curious thing. It is curious then why so many Christians worship on the first day of the week. Here is evidence that Jesus did not plan to change the Sabbath at the time of his resurrection. One day, Jesus gathered his disciples together and discussed the coming destruction of Jerusalem. Matthew twenty four twenty, Jesus says, "And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath." Why? What sense would it make for Jesus to say to his disciples, pray that your flight not be on the Sabbath, if they were not going to be keeping the Sabbath? It wouldn't have made any sense at all. Why did he say that? You see, if they were all worshiping on the Sabbath together in one place and the Roman armies attacked the city, what would have happened? The Roman armies would have destroyed them. Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, years after Jesus had already ascended to heaven. From the beginning, God used the Sabbath as a covenant with his people. Let's think about that. How many people must there be to form a covenant or contract? Two. 
Can just one of the parties change the contract? No. Can we then change our covenant with God without his acknowledgement? Let me illustrate this. The word sanctify, meaning set apart, is used when pertaining to the Sabbath and marriage, when one woman is set apart or sanctified for one man. Let's imagine a wedding ceremony right now. The handsome groom is thrilled as he's about to marry his beautiful bride. The woman he's chosen to marry has six sisters. After the ceremony, he's eagerly waiting in the car, excited to go on their honeymoon. One of her sisters opens the car door and slips in beside him and says, Let's go. He looks at her amazed and responds, I didn't marry you. I married your sister. Her reply is, What difference does it make? I'm one in seven. Friends, does it make any difference? Yes, to the married couple, it certainly does. There was only one who was sanctified, one who was chosen. One woman the groom set apart for himself. All seven women were not the same, just like not all days are the same or created equal. Let's not be confused and misunderstand the one special day amongst the seven. In our society, the term Lord's Day has become attached to the first day of the week, Sunday. Because when some read Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, there are many assumptions made. This verse does not say the first day of the week is the Lord's Day. Human beings may try to define the Lord's Day, but Jesus knows best. Let's allow Him to define His own day. Matthew 12.8 For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mark 2.28 For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Luke 6.5 The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Isaiah 58, 13, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, the holy day of the Lord, we can clearly see that the Lord's day is the Sabbath, Saturday, the seventh day. More than a hundred ancient and modern languages named the seventh day of the week Sabbath. Here are just a few. In Arabic, Sabit. Spanish, Sabado, Ukrainian, Sabuta. No matter where you are on the planet, the different languages spell it out that Sabbath is Saturday, the seventh day of the week. According to such trustworthy sources as the Royal Greenwich Observatory in England and the United States Naval Observatory, the weekly cycle has never changed. Also, let's think about our planet's solar system. We measure our year cycle by the Earth orbiting the Sun. The month is by the Moon orbiting the Earth. The day is by the Earth turning on its axis every 24 hours. But where do we get this seven-day week from? Bible creation. God created the evening and the morning for each day and saw that it was good. A 24-hour day is, in the Bible, is measured from evening to evening, which means from sundown to sundown. So let's be clear. When does the Sabbath begin and end? Mark defines the word evening in Mark chapter 1, verse 32. 
at evening when the sun had set. Sunset. Leviticus 23.32 From evening to evening you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Ah, we see that Sabbath begins at sunset. Friday, sunset. Genesis 1.5 And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So evening and morning were the first day. When speaking about a 24-hour period or day, the evening is always counted before the morning. So Sabbath is celebrated from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. For those of you who may not think that Ten Commandments are in the New Testament, they're there. In the following text, we can see that Jesus and his followers continue to teach the commandments in the New Testament. Note that the Sabbath commandment is mentioned the most because he wants us to remember its importance. The first commandment is found in Matthew 4.10. The second commandment is in 1 John and Acts. The third commandment is in 1 Timothy. And you can see that the fourth commandment is in Matthew, Mark, Hebrews, Colossians. Friends, remember that later you can come back to this slide, pause the screen, and read each one of these texts in full, please, on your own time in your own Bible. Are God's commandments called the Ten Suggestions? The Ten Recommendations? Or how about the Ten Good Ideas? It is not enough to have good intentions, friends. It is not enough to do what you think is right or what the minister tells you is right. Your soul's salvation is at stake, and you should search the scriptures for yourself. However strong may be your convictions, however confident you may be that the minister knows what is truth, this is not your foundation. The Bible provides us a sure path, always pointing us to heaven. What more can God do to emphasize the permanence of his holy Sabbath day? He spoke it with his voice. He wrote it with his finger and sent his own beloved son Jesus as our example to live by. The disciples taught it, and we will keep it on the new earth throughout all of eternity. We're told that in Isaiah 66, 23 For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh will come to worship before me says the Lord. I can't wait for that day. The plan has always been to return to the garden, God's original blueprint design. What should be my motivation for obedience to God's commands? My love for the Lord. Because Jesus says in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, keep my commandments. If my obedience is not motivated by love, then it becomes heavy drudgery, resulting in legalism. <sighs> Keeping God's holy Sabbath day is a weekly reminder of our roots as children of the great creator God. As we previously studied the three angels' messages in Revelation, we saw the warning is to prepare a special people who will be loyal and obedient to the commandments of God and to be ready when Jesus returns. These are the people who will have God's sign or seal, his Sabbath, in their foreheads. They have made their decision. They choose Jesus no matter what comes. These people keep all the commandments of God 
and have the faith of Jesus. They love the truth so much that they do whatever it takes to keep God's day holy. There's a beautiful example of this love and dedication that my crew and I filmed in Madagascar. Mama Sisset and her husband left their Sunday church when problems arose. And one day her husband was listening to an Adventist World Radio program when he heard the broadcaster talk about the Seventh-day Sabbath. This puzzled and intrigued him because he had not heard this before. The announcement was made that this same program would rebroadcast later that evening. He immediately searched for his wife to tell her what he had heard. Together they listened intently to the rebroadcast, taking careful notes. Convicted by the Bible text they heard, they began traveling from village to village to find a church which kept the Bible Sabbath. Finally, someone suggested they go to the big city, 45 miles away. That's 72 kilometers. They walked there. After walking for days, they found a Seventh-day Adventist church and were delighted to worship with other Sabbath keepers for the very first time. The pastor informed them of a church that was closer to their village, but it was over a mountain range and it took two days to walk there. They made this exhausting hike many times and then decided to have church at home instead, even though their neighbors made fun of them. Because of the love for truth and determination to follow what the Bible says, Mama Sisset and her husband have now built three churches in order to hold all the new believers. The importance of this commandment cannot be overemphasized, friends. If people had kept this commandment throughout the centuries, there would be not one single evolutionist, idolater, or pagan today. We are living in the most solemn period of this world's history. The destiny of Earth's teeming multitudes is about to be decided. Do you want the seal of the living God? Our salvation depends on the course we choose today. Choose you this day whom you will serve, because both God and the enemy want your worship. Satan seeks to destroy you, and Jesus wants to save you. A little boy in Florida ran outside to go swimming in the large canal behind his house. His smiling mother was watching out her kitchen window. Suddenly, the look on her face changed to panic. Evidently, a very large alligator had moved into the canal. It slipped into the water and began moving towards her son. She ran outside screaming, Alligator, swim back now! The boy immediately turned around, but just as he was nearing the shore, the alligator's jaws latched onto his legs and began to pull him back into the water. Once gators have a good grip, they drown their victims. Mom grabbed her son's hands just as he was slipping away, and she began a tug of war with this leviathan. He was pulling one way, and she was pulling the other. She screamed as she was knocked down by the forces of wrestling, but then she would get her footing again and keep fighting for their lives. The boy screamed in agony as the gator tried to pull him into a death roll. The neighboring farmer heard their screams. He grabbed his rifle, took aim, and shot the alligator dead. 
The boy was then hospitalized with torn up legs and hundreds of stitches. On the day of his release, the local reporters gathered to interview the boy. Show the camera your scars, son, as they pointed to his legs. The little boy smiled big and said, No, look here at my arms, at these scars. He was so proud of the marks on his arms. These scars are there because my mama would not let go of me. Friends, the alligator wants to destroy you. The devil wants to put his mark on you. But Jesus will hang on to you with the tightest of grip. Do not let go of him because he will not let go of you. He wants to seal you as his forever. Jesus is our Savior and he will gladly keep his scars from fighting for you. How many of you want to receive God's mark, his Sabbath seal on you to be saved? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for never letting go of our hands while we struggle to not get caught in the devil's death roll. We ask you to have mercy on our hearts tonight. Your name is worthy to be praised, precious Jesus, for the scars in your hands are there because of me. Thank you for this added truth of the Sabbath shining through the keyhole as we unlock Bible prophecies together. May we have your seal in our hearts and our minds to save us forever and ever. In Jesus' precious, most powerful name, amen. Friends, have you decided to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Is it your desire to be a commandment-keeping Christian? Let us know. Now that we've seen that the Sabbath is the authentic seal of God, you may be wondering then, why do so many worship on a different day? Tomorrow night, you may be shocked to find out the reason. God bless you and please join us again tomorrow for The Counterfeit on Unlocking Bible Prophecies. Choose God's way. Good night, friends.